It's cloudy and minus 8 in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 9 o'clock. I'm Courtney Davidson. Officials in Ontario have confirmed Canada's first cases of a COVID-19 variant discovered in the UK. They say a couple in the Durham region just east of Toronto have become infected despite not having any known travel history, exposure or high-risk contacts. Despite the lack of a clear answer on where the couple contracted the potentially deadly bug, Ontario is continuing to call on the federal government to partner up with the province and implement testing at Toronto Pearson's International Airport. More news in a moment, but first, 770 CHQR helicopter traffic. Poor visibility and road conditions this morning. Roads are snow-covered and icy, making for a slow ride all across the city. However, I am seeing light volume on your main routes. That earlier collision westbound Memorial Drive and Deerfoot Trail has just cleared and all lanes are open again. However, an ongoing collision southbound Sony Trail at Pagan Trail southeast has one vehicle remaining off to the right shoulder, so watch out for this one. Safely get your online order with Best Buy's contactless curbside pickup. Shop online at bestbuy.ca, then pick up your order at the store without leaving your car. For the 776QR traffic helicopter, I'm Tay Yusin. An investigation continues after a man was found dead yesterday morning in the city's southeast. Officials say paramedics were called to the area of Habolta Road and 54th Street southeast around 8.30. According to EMS, a deceased man was found at the scene Details remain limited at this time. Alberta opposition NDP leader Rachel Notley says rebuilding the provincial economy will be critical after the COVID-19 pandemic is brought under control in 2021. Notley says oil and gas is key to the recovery, but she says Premier Jason Kenney needs to stop fixating on just one industry and grow the entire economy. And if you cannot display the, um, the, the nimbleness to actually um, assess what currently is going on and what is currently needed, um, then we are in big trouble. Notley says Alberta has a range of economic strengths to draw from, including a young, educated workforce and a wealth of business entrepreneurs. Federal investigators are working to resolve unanswered questions about a mysterious explosion in downtown Nashville. Julie Walker reports. Just before the Christmas morning explosion, Police Chief John Drake says they were on scene investigating a report of shots fired and found an RV on a mostly deserted street blaring a recorded message warning people to evacuate because a bomb would go off. Authorities say they found human remains they are working to ID. Three people were hurt in the blast, which severely damaged an AT&T building, knocking out cell, Wi-Fi and 911 service in several southern states. I'm Julie Walker. Taking a look at sports, Team Canada will play against Slovakia later this evening in World Juniors action. Finland and Switzerland will also play today, as well as Russia against the Czech Republic. The Cleveland Browns will be without six players due to COVID-19 concerns for their upcoming game against the New York Jets this afternoon. Receiver Jarvis Landry is among the handful of Browns players who won't be playing. The game is scheduled to go on according to an NFL spokesperson. Global News, SkyTracker weather, some cloud coverage today, a high of minus 5, clear skies this evening, and the temperature is up to minus 1 tomorrow as we see a partly cloudy day. It's 9.04, breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update is at 9.30.
I'm Courtney Davidson. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. And this will be our last show of 2020, which I think a lot of people are are okay with uh, 2020 leaving. It was so funny, like kind of the beginning of 2020, everyone thinks, oh, you're laser focused, 2020, all this kind of uh, fun stuff we talked about back in January before all this other stuff came along. And uh, But one thing it did do as a positive, it brought a lot of people into gardening and, and different hobbies and uh, different things, like a lot more fly fishing, talk to the snowboard shops, they're packed. Um, a lot of people got into just other things than online shopping, which was, uh, I think it was good. So as a whole, you got to be positive and, and take some good things out of what comes at us. And this this whole thing, I think it uh, kind of brought us together and, and uh, we seem to be getting through on the other side, hopefully here. And... Uh, We've all had to sacrifice some things, and but I think we all gained a little here and there too, so I think we have to try and be as positive as we can, and that's not always easy, especially on some of these things that's that are going on. So 2021 is coming, so I've been looking at, and if you want to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. Um, talk about gardening trends. We can talk about what do you want to see in your garden next year, maybe, or if you just want to wish some people a happy new year, whatever you'd like to do, just you can give me a shout. And uh, this is the best time, you know, when you want to start planning your garden. So you want to even on a day like this, if you look outside and you don't really see anything of any interest, you think, what can I add to it um, to, to give my yard some interest? Lighting in the wintertime is is when it's awesome. Like in the summertime, lighting, it's it's okay, but it doesn't get dark till um, like 11 o'clock, 10, 11 at night. And most time you're going to bed and the lights kick on outside. So, But this time of year, like when the sun's going down at 435, this is when you get to enjoy your landscape lighting is all through the winter time. You light up, create those shadows, create those silhouettes. And uh, I, my theory on lighting is really it's, it's about the light, not the light fixture. So really concentrate and uh, try and focus on, on your lighting and not necessarily the fixture. Um, up lighting and a lot of those is really all you need for, to create a really spectacular light show. And, uh, and give yourself something that just looks phenomenal outside. And which is kind of cool when you look out in your backyard and you kind of see those interests. And if you have a statue or a face or something you want to light up, a bird bath or, or something like that, it just, the lighting just adds a little bit of uniqueness to it. And, uh, but just don't overdo it. Um, I've seen some yards where there's like, 35 40 lights and in, in a 20 foot section just you know just be sparingly i think this is when less is more a little bit when you get into lighting so um get yourself a good quality low voltage i still solar i have these solar some these solar balls in my yard and they're okay but they they don't still don't last all all night and 
So solar isn't quite there yet. There's there's some good ones for sure. But again, they're, they're not quite there when you want to do that nice uplighting or some other stuff where, but the low voltage um, garden lighting, landscape lighting is great. It, uh, it gives you lots of lighting. You're not using lots of energy. The most of them are LED nowadays. So it's, it's actually really quite cool. And with some of the new lighting, you can even, I know a lot of people are starting to do it in their house as well. So create the LED strips or, or different things. And and getting proper lighting for your plants is important as well at this time of year. So we're going to touch on a few things. We have uh, Jen. She's going to call in and we're going to chat what's going on down there in the in the greenhouse with the tropicals and uh, and then cast mice going to call in a little bit after that but let's go to jen right now and we'll see what's going on down there in the in the tropical world of uh, of spruce it up down in the tropical house <laughs> good morning jen good morning merle how are you good how are you doing i'm doing well thank you good you, you guys getting everything all straightened up after a couple yeah. of day or so off and and all mm-hmm. the plants are happy to see you guys back <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah, we're getting everything kind of reorganized now that we have some space, which is nice, and um, able to show other things off. Yeah, get rid of uh, poinsettias are are done for the season, so mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna move past those for now and and <laughs> uh, and go from there, right? But mm-hmm. poinsettias are great, actually. I know there's the. Um, I, I, I'm still a true, like, I know we had the ones with the mixed colors and things mm-hmm. like that. I'm still a, a traditional. I like the red, pure red or the pure white kind of thing is sort of what I, I prefer on the, in the, in the point seven. So. Yeah. It's funny. People have their preferences for sure. I know I had a lady in just yesterday actually, and she was, she loved the pink kind of, you know, intermixed with the white ones. And uh, yeah, it's, and then there's the diehards like you, Merle. Yeah. Old tradition. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> can't <absolutely>. change me. <laughs> yeah. Good so, um, at this time of year, I guess we get a lot of people. We get a lot of people asking about, and I'm sort of. I know we didn't. We didn't chat. We don't. I don't give Jen the the <laughs> the courtesy of telling her what I'm going to ask her before, which I probably should. But mm-hmm. I, I like to ad lib a little bit. So, um, we get a lot of people. I get a lot of questions about fungus gnats at this time of year. Mm-hmm. So um, I know people tend to keep watering just because it's Tuesday. Well, I got to water my, I got to water my pothos because it's Tuesday. But in the winter yeah. time, you, you should really stop doing that. Like it's just sort of you got to water when they're dry. Yeah, and yeah, it takes longer to dry out too, doesn't it? Absolutely. So, yeah. um, what what other solutions do you have for people that uh, maybe have these uh, little fungus gnats that? Uh, that attack our plants or when we've overwatered or, or something like that? Mm-hmm. Well, we have the mosquito dunks that we talked about, um, I think, a few phone calls ago. And you're right, yep. Merle, it would be nice to have a heads up sometimes because I love when you catch me off guard. Um, yeah. But I'm not off guard with this one. Yes, the mosquito dunks. I know. I, 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 I thought I'd throw you a loft ball. I just Thank like you. Throw, throw a softie in at you and let you. <laughs> so kind of you. I appreciate that. Um, no yeah, problem. We have the, the mosquito dunks in individual packets, and uh, which is kind of easier than you don't have to purchase a whole bunch of them. But those are, we talked about, they're, they're what they use in the summer in the ponds, right, to kill the mosquito yes. larvae. And so they're all natural. So we have those that you can use. You would soak 
you could break up the little, uh, it's in a, a little kind of a circle. You just break it up and put it in your water and let it sit, you know, 24 hours. We actually have the instructions right in there. It'll soak, make a little tea, and then you water your plants with that. So it kills the larvae in the soil. So that's, that's uh, one of the solutions. Okay, so you're, you're, you're sort of creating, a, you're steeping it, you're creating a mm-hmm. tea. For okay, sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that's kind of a nice one. And uh, we do have some sand in right now, too. So you can remove the top inch and a half of soil from your plants, depending on how many you have, right? I mean, you want to pick a solution that works for you. And some people like this, actually, with the look of it. And you can replace the top with sand. And so the, the larvae, they don't have a chance in there because it's not soil. Okay. Yeah. So we do have some and of then- that in there. And probably the most important one, like I said, is the watering. I think 100%. just when people just uh, end up, they just water a little bit too much in this off season. And plants can go an extra day or so without water on yeah. days like this because if we don't have intense heat, unless you have it right by a heat vent or something like that, which mm-hmm. hopefully you don't do because that's <laughs> not good for them. Yeah, no, and, you're right. Uh, that's what they need, hey, the moist soil to, to survive and thrive. So if we let it dry out, then yeah, you're getting ahead of the game. Okay, so what in plants in the in the in the tropical house right now, which ones are kind of getting you excited? Like uh, if you if you're walking through and saying, I gotta get one of these. Is there is there any in there that you haven't taken home yet? <laughs> um no. Maybe no, actually no. So that sensitive plant is a really fun one. Um there's a family with a little girl that comes in regularly she knows exactly where they are now because i i've showed her where they are so the sensitive plant was really fun and it's you're not harming it but you, if you touch it right it it rolls up i think we posted that on social media yeah. as well yeah so, we did a video on that yeah so that's a fun one that's that's right as soon as you walk in the trap house and then next to that the birkins i think we talked about those as well that one gets me excited i always tell people because they can't quite see the beauty of the plant right now because as it matures you get a little more white into the leaves it's gorgeous if anybody was to look that up so i usually show people about that one that's another amazing one and those jewel orchids merle i (laughs) yeah you guys for bringing those in because um yeah i gave one to my sister-in-law because i have them all i'm just i don't know yeah those are a fun one they're gorgeous okay and i'm i'm still i always i'm going to make a uh a Venus flytrap terrarium for my office. So um, I know you? the kid. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I seen one the other day. Yeah. And I just, so in the new year, I'm going to, I'm going to stop in and I'm going to spoil your planting bench in there. I'm going to make myself a, a Venus flytrap uh, terrarium. Terrarium. Okay. So well, that's a little I- bit interesting because they, they like the humidity. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking this little uh, Venus flytrap should do well in there. But, yes. uh, yeah, so I'm, and I'm hoping to, to feed it, to feed it your fungus gnats, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. What do you, what do you feed them? I, I've seen other things like eggs. We don't. There's no house. I, I don't know. I guess this time of year is when people get house flies, but we're fairly fortunate. I don't have very many in our house, so. Yeah, well, if you could go to the pet store, I know. I was talking. I don't. I haven't grown the Venus flytrap, but I do. I'm aware that you need to feed those periodically, and you just can go to the um, just the pet store and get little bugs for that. Um, little flies. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I always thought you, I remember before you could feed them with egg or something, egg white or something. That I'm going to have to look up. I'm going to write that down. That's uh, share share your scrambled eggs with there. Yeah. <laughs> Vinny the Venus flytrap. Uh, that's that's an image of you having breakfast with your Venus flytrap, Merle. I I, uh, I can't wait to see that 
tickets. Yeah, I might even post it. I might post it. Love that. <laughs> Live action of Vinny the flytrap <laughs> eating Vinny. his scrambled eggs. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Vinny. Hey, like that's it. a pretty good name for him already. So I think I'm yeah. going to. Uh... So hey, I got a quick question for you. I got okay. a text here from a from a listener. It says hi, Merle. I'm trying to grow this bonsai I found last summer in my yard. Any advice? It's not growing very fast. It's about six inches tall. So what it is, it's they're trying to turn a little spruce tree into hmm. a bonsai. Okay. Um, but I will say um, it does look like it's... Uh, it's suffering a little bit. So basically, oh, bonsais, what do they like? They, they like a bit of humidity because typically if you're going to the evergreens. Mm-hmm. And what else would you recommend to someone if they're if they're going to take home a, a bonsai? Oh, so it's for the indoor ones. Yeah. I yeah. Think um, the consistent moisture in the soil. Um, I think not wetness. I think that's a, kind of a fine line that people um, – yeah need to practice with, I think. So consistently, you know, as soon as ours dry out, we water them again. Um, I think the humidity is good as well. And <coughs> yeah, perhaps some fertilizer, Merle, I think could start it up again in the spring. Yeah, the 30 10, 10. I Yeah, I'm just sort of looking. This this is a little baby spruce tree. Okay. And it, it, just, it just is suffering a bit. Uh, hmm. So on the, on the listener, or on the on the caller in or texter, what I would do is I would actually get some rage plus and I would try and get the roots established on this little guy and, uh, and just see if you could get it established and get it growing. Cause it looks like you have a couple new growth and just be careful using those wire ties. They have these wire ties around them. Uh-huh. So yeah. around the trunk. So I'd just be careful this so you don't girdle it with with those kind of things because i know yeah. there's some bonsai wire and that when you start training them and stuff when you get to that more advanced level um but what i would do is just try to get it living myself first and then go from there that's always okay? a good idea yeah for sure and people and it's patience too i know that um <laughs> and i'm one as well that people can be really impatient with the plants and and want the beauty right now or just, you know, to make sure they're doing okay, which is understandable. People put a lot of time and money and and, uh, and love into them. So, yeah, just Absolutely. be patient. Yeah. All right. Well, you and uh, you and Jess are down there today. So if anybody wants to go down and uh, take a walk through the tropical side yeah. and uh, come on down and, and see. And you got your, all the Christmas stuff's on sale. Absolutely. So. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, thanks Jen, for calling in. And uh well, I'm sure we'll see you later on today sometime. You got it. Have a good day. All right. Take care. Bye. And I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Calgary's Trusted Garden Center. Spruce it up. Spruce it up. Green it up. Prune it up. We got you covered, and uh, we're going to go to the phone line, and we're going to chat with Brian. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. How are you doing today? Yeah. Oh, what? oh, well, thanks, yeah. How are you? Good, good. Very good, good very good. Sure. How, so can, I have, how uh, can I help you? I have a question I haven't heard addressed on here for years, and I've always been interested, and that is, 
uh, grafting of uh, particularly things like apple apple trees and stuff like that to yep. domestic trees here and that sort of thing. I don't know if you know much about that or care much about it. I just yeah, no, it, it's actually it's always interesting. And when we bring in pre-grafted trees for people as well, it will bring in. Um, oh, you do. Yeah, we bring in cherry trees that have four or five different kinds. We'll bring in apples that have five different mm-hmm. – we just call them multi-graft apples. Right. Because some people don't have the, a big enough yard and maybe want a sure. couple different ones. So oh, yeah. um, we have them pre-planted and pre-grafted for you as well. Oh, and right. some, yeah, plums, cherries, and apples we do. And apples. For the, yeah, for the most yeah. part. It, it's a very it's, – it's interesting seeing it. Um, and it's fairly easy to do if you get the proper like. There's a couple of grafting tools you'll need, oh, like yeah. to make the notch and 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 sticking with. But all like all of our apple trees are grafted to begin with. I see. Because they're they're grown on a hardy rootstock. Mm-hmm. Same with well, a lot of our roses are as well, and most of our fruit trees they're typically oh. grafted onto like a hardy um, crab apple rootstock. Oh, oh yeah. Sure. And then they graft a, uh, a a good eating apple on top of it as well. So, well, is that right? Yeah. Are they quite successful here? Oh yeah, no, you can grow phenomenal apples. Uh, uh, like yeah, tons. I've actually even helped. We've we've uh, planted orchards here. Um, well, there's is all kinds. Right? Yeah, I know. Like yeah, good friend of mine. He probably gets three or four thousand pounds. Or more of apples and stuff. And last year he donated a bunch to uh, there's the guy making the cider, and there's a oh, couple yeah. of cider companies that will collect them. Yeah, I no, see. you can you can apples grow very well here. So, and even okay. you get into the re- real apples, like it's just so nice. So it's you're, you can eat real apples, cherries, even mm-hmm. the odd plum in the right area, plums and apricots. Um, if, if you have mm-hmm. the right. Uh, a little bit right location. Those ones need a little bit more shelter, but um, I've seen lots of those survive. But one one of them that are really nicer too are the different cherry trees, like the, mm-hmm. the Romance series. They're still a sour cherry, but right. they're actually really quite good. So, oh, and yeah. it's yeah, pears are the other one that do really well here. Sure. No, I, I that sounds good. Yeah, I'll have to <laughs> towards spring there come and have a look at what you might have out there. And uh, oh, absolutely. Just out of interest, years ago, my, uh, well, grandparents and their aunt and uncle had uh, a large number of uh, apple and crabs for sure. And then they had tried uh, pear as well. And I don't, I think they were fairly stunted, but the, the apples and crabs grew really well. So I, I thought I'd ask. I knew, and they, and they overwintered and uh, without Absolutely. all that trouble after a while, you know. <laughs> no, and, and they've really advanced the selection to, a lot better fruit we're getting nowadays. Like you're getting a real pear. Like there's a there's one called a John pear and a Paul pear. These ones are getting you're getting almost real pears. Like they're good size. And the apples, like there's lots of them. When I walk through the tree lot, I grab it. You wouldn't know the difference if I picked that up at Safeway or Is that or right? wherever. Absolutely. Yep. No. They and they do, do really, they mostly, really well here. Do you, do you guys mostly get them from BC or you- <clears throat> a lot of them come from BC. Um, right. But they're the right varieties. It's it's, and that's what the difference. We've been bringing yeah. trees in from BC for like, oh, not me, but garden centers in Calgary like for the last fifty, sixty years. Sure, um, sure. 
it's just bringing the right varieties. And that's unfortunate. Like some, I've gone through a box store, a little garden center thing or something like that. And then they'll have gala apples or they'll have peaches. Like this, there's certain varieties that don't do well, but there's definitely right. lots of good varieties. So if you stick with your independent garden center, for the most part, you're going to get the right advice. You're going to get the right plant material. Okay. And I know, I know us down at Spruce It Up, we, we out, and we have a two-year warranty on all our plant material, so sure. it's we're bringing in the right stuff, and we want to give you the right advice so you have success. I don't yeah. want to set you up with a gala, and you think you're going to get apples, and you never will. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, thank you very much. That's, all right. That's, that's very good. Thanks, Thanks Brian. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, and I'm going to take a break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Mostly cloudy and minus 8 in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 9.30. I'm Courtney Davidson. An Ontario couple with no known travel history, exposure or high-risk contacts are the first Canadian cases of the new, more contagious variant of COVID-19. The province confirmed the cases Saturday. An investigation continues after a man was found dead Saturday morning in the city's southeast. Officials say paramedics were called to the area of Habalta Road and 54th Street Saturday morning. No further details have been released. The motive behind a Christmas morning explosion in downtown Nashville is still unknown as authorities sift through hundreds of tips and leads in the blast that damaged dozens of buildings. Three people suffered non-life-threatening injuries and police are working to confirm the identity of human remains found at the scene. Global News, SkyTracker weather, some cloud coverage today, a high of minus 5. Clear skies this evening, the temperature dipping to a low of minus 10. And back up to minus 1 tomorrow as we see a partly cloudy day. It's minus 8. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news is at 10. I'm Courtney Davidson. Good morning and welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and we have... A guest joining us. We're going to have uh, Kath Smythe, so we're going to bring Kath up on the line. Good morning, Kath. Good morning, Merle. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm pretty good. The sun's coming out. Yeah, isn't that nice? Yeah, I'm quite excited. <laughs> lots of lots of snow. Oh my goodness, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> makes it makes it fun to get around and things like that. So. Oh, especially when you live on a cul-de-sac that's on a hill. Yeah, no, I I go by other people's houses and I think. Uh, man, I would not have moved into that house or or certain <laughs> certain areas. I just like uh, there's with the big hills and things like that in Calgary. It's pretty yeah. scary stuff. So well, this one isn't that big of a hill, but it's still just enough, you know, just enough yeah. to make it tricky. Yeah. Um. So going into the to the new year, always people ask about trends. Uh, and I think we all know one trend is gardening in a whole is going to be a trend. But um, any other thoughts of uh, what you think might catch people's fancy going into 2021? Well, I have been sort of been asked a few questions like that <coughs> and, and have gone into it a little bit. But, I mean, what I'm seeing is some of the trends that started last year are really coming back and holding. 
I mean, yep. for instance, I get asked all the time about where can I can I grow these on a balcony? Can I grow these on the in a small space? Um, you know, tiny gardens seem to be very much talked about. Yeah, that because, container gardening. Yep. Yes, like container gardening and like and raised gardens of any shape, description, anything that you got that you have in your yard that you can use as a garden, even. But you have to be careful, but you still get a nice effect from it. And something else that I've been dabbling in a bit is introducing the wild back into your garden. You know, bringing in a more more um, practices like no chemicals on your on your food crop. Uh, don't don't spray the bug just because it's annoying you. Uh, and and attracting birds and attracting wildlife. So it it is. It's interesting to follow in wildflowers, of course, of course. Yep, yeah, no, and I and I think people hopefully you're going to get creative with their pots. Um, oh, yeah, and you can you can add like you can even in some of your pots on your patio. There's no reason why you can't create like in a flower pot, do a really nice herb garden, and you could have a centerpiece. You could have a rose or or something like that above, like a topiary. Yeah, and you could have be herbs all around it, and and that way you have something usable. Have it close to the barbecue, so you can just grab that that basil or sage or whatever you want, and, and add it to the themes of of your of your herb gardens as well. You know, like there's nothing wrong absolutely. with growing some interesting herbs together. A pizza pizza in a pot. Yeah, you know. No, I know we've had those varieties in the past. The, we have the spaghetti one, or we have some of the pizza, which is kind of it's. It, but it, it helps people pick the ones that grow together, right? Well, so they it, make sometimes really good ways to talk about it to people, and and I like to I like the pizza in the pot one because I always talk about the fact that it makes great companion for your tomatoes. So there you are, you've got your tomato all right there, and you've got some basil and some fresh oregano and nothing tastier and you slice up the tomato and you make one of those raw tomato pieces and put it in the barbecue really tasty very tasty yeah and uh and and you probably wouldn't put carrots on your barbecue but i've seen carrots added to a regular ornamental garden and they look great because if they're planted in the row or a little they get that fern leaf and they're actually quite attractive so yes Yes, and they, and they make a really nice, um, strong planting. Say, for instance, if you put carrots or, as a frill around the edge, you don't have to have all this hanging plant stuff around it. You can put carrots around the edge of a pot, especially some of the smaller varieties like that finger carrot. I really enjoy that one. It's a very Absolutely. nice, strong one. And then putting a big geranium <coughs> in the middle, and it'll look just incredible but more uh, and the other thing are you getting a lot of requests for what can i grow on my windowsill um a, a bit and and typically it's herbs yeah um where it's at light I, I and i always i have a, a caller and a friend i got to know about stan and his wife carver yeah um i've gone to their house a few times and and we did some landscape with it but he uses his windowsill. He has a big wide one. He just has the most gorgeous orchids and geranium, a couple of things that growing on there. And man, it's just, they grow unbelievable. Yes. I grow. And orchids love being on a windowsill. Yes. So. And I have orchids on my windowsill, if you will, in that I have a tall shelf right into the window. 
and oh, my nice. orchids just love it. But this past little while, I've been playing around the last couple of years with lettuces, growing oh, okay. them in, in pots on my on my pot counter and on my window ledge, and I've had a great deal of success with it. So I've been. You know, oh, really? that's good. Yeah, like I'm really quite pleased with myself, but I like the little less, the little lettuces. There's one called freckles. Yeah. And I really enjoy that one, and it grows not big, has a lovely color to it, so everybody comes in and goes, "Oh, did you get a new house plant?" Yeah. And I go, and I think that's important in a container because if you try and get the big heads of lettuce yeah they just they won't do well because they end up bolting and and sometimes in the house like they they need the cool nights and sort of keep them tighter and things like that and they keep the and then as long as you keep harvesting the lettuce leaves from the smaller lettuces they just keep growing more in the middle and after a while you have to replenish them but i i find that i can get at least three to four months out of a pot full of lettuce just Harvesting. Yeah, in the one cycle, that's sort of that pick and come again sort of thing, right? Yes. You just pick from yeah. the outside yeah. and it keeps filling in? Yeah, you keep picking the edges and it just keeps filling in. And, and I usually have some basil sitting there beside it, and, and they, seem to, they seem to cohabit quite nicely. Oh, nice. I got a quick question here for sure. Tex, and then I'll, I'll get you to hang on. We'll take a break, and then we'll sure. come back. Um, it just says, hi, was wondering if you could tell me what went wrong with my potatoes. My red potatoes are covered in almost raised-like moles and bumps on them. They look disgusting, and my white fingerling potatoes, more than half, are green. Do you know what happened? Thanks. Well, the raised uh, on the red potatoes is scab, and yeah. it's usually a question of what you added to the soil. And if you keep growing potatoes in the same spot year after year, you're probably going to get that. But the other thing is that manure in the soil mixture will help, not help at all, and it will make scab on the potatoes. Yeah, so the, if you get too high a pH, right? Yes, make it yeah, yeah. If you raise, our pH is already high, <coughs> so when we start adding in manure around potatoes, they really don't like that. So it'll raise the pH even higher. And then the combination of our alkaline water and the manure just seems to make them into scab. And the the fingerling potatoes turning green probably happened because they were harvested and left out in the light. They have a very thin skin, and they will turn green if they're left out in the light. They like to be in the dark. And so as soon as you the- dig them up, Put them in the dark. Yeah, and as soon as you dig them up, they're not one of those long-keeping potatoes either, so you want to get them in a dark a dark container right away, and you don't you want to consume them well before Christmas because they're not going to survive very well and be very tasty, and that, then naturally they just start to turn green. Yeah. So, yeah. so if you haven't eaten them by now, they're probably going on you. Yeah, they're probably turning green now. It because every time you open the container, it's just one more exposure to the to the light, and that that's usually what turns them. That's why fingerling potatoes are the ones you hill. You bury them and you keep pulling more soil up on them. You don't okay. leave them flat. And that's and with actually we can and we'll finish up that because I got to take a break right now. Okay. And uh, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, uh, Kath and I will continue to to chat. And if you want to join us, you can call in at four zero three nine seven four eight two five five. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on seven seventy CHQR. 
Welcome back to Let's Start Gardening, and uh, I have Cass Smythe, the uh, gardening guru from the Cowrie Horticultural Society, on the line with me, and uh, we can answer some of your questions. We're just going through, I'm going through some texts and a couple of things, so welcome back, Kath. Thank you, I'm here. <laughs> That's good. I guess we can't go nowhere anyways, right? So <laughs> well, we're, we're pretty much tied up here, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I think hopefully we all just only do what you have to do for now, and uh and we all uh, hopefully like to get back to some normality here pretty soon. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I'm just starting. I, I always at this time of year get lots of amaryllis questions. But got a gorgeous. Someone just sent in a picture of a, a waxed amaryllis in a little white box with some moss. Presentation I would give a ten out of ten. I think it looks great. So nice, nice work, Brian. And you got that for a gift. That's. It's great. And really, when they're dipped in wax, you don't have to do anything to them. You just let them sit there. They'll bloom. They'll do their thing. And that's about it. Yeah. So, and what, have you ever had one of the ones in wax, Kath? I tried one a couple of years ago just because when I saw them, I thought, oh, that's new. I want to try that. The only the only complaint I may have is that I like to keep my emeralds <coughs> from year to year. And I Yeah, so I guess... Yeah, how would you get? You just have to peel this wax well, off, I guess. Well, you peel the wax off, and then you've got to plant it if you want to get it in some soil because it next has to produce the leaves. Yes. And, and it did try. This this thing did try to produce the leaves, but it had become so desiccated or so dried out that it it just didn't perform well. And then the next year it came back with lots of leaves, even though I tried over you know, keeping it cold. But the interesting thing is, subsequent to that, I think they changed the way that they're waxing them because several of my friends have managed to get them to rebloom. So I think that there's an interesting little test there for the plantsmanship of a person. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I, actually, and I didn't bring home uh, an amaryllis this year. They were actually very popular, so they sold out early. <laughs> and I didn't, but they're one of my favorite Christmas plants because they give you that pure color. Oh, and uh, yeah. so and this year I bought, oh, I hate to say how many I went in the garden center. I shouldn't be allowed in, but I have <laughs> seven right now, so. Oh, nice. And three of them are overwintered ones, and four I bought. But I bought one this year called Dancing Queen. <gasps> okay. It just took my breath away. And it's got a second set of flowers on it now, so I'm I'm waiting for it. And it has a glorious white flower with a red stripe in it, and I'm enjoying the heck out of it. Oh, nice. So, so Brian sent this in. Yes. Um, he just sent me a picture, and he has two bloom stalks on it. So he's going to get double bloom on it yeah. and possibly even a third one. But And the leaves are starting to come up in the center as well. Good. So so what? even what you could do is you could plant that, like once it's done blooming, you could plant that into like just a, like put into a six-inch pot, but only put the bottom half inch or, or yeah, about maybe the bottom, one inch. Yeah, about a half an inch or so. And then... Just because they're going to get really top heavy, I usually put a stick in with the waxed yep. ones, and then they start to burst. They'll grow their roots, and they do burst open the wax after a while. Okay, so, and yeah, so because he's got lots of leaves and stuff like that oh, on good. it. Good. So yeah, I so 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 what the key to it though is, Catholic. Once you grow it on you, and then once it's done blooming, you'll get a whole bunch of leaves. How long should you leave it like that for before you? Well, they will start to um, wipe themselves out. They'll start to get tired, 
and the leaves will start to yellow and they'll start to droop and fall. And even, you know, and you're, con- you're conditioned to make sure you're watering it, but they do need a dormancy. They really need to go into dormancy. I like to let mine go dormant and then come the early spring about, oh, as soon as the frost is gone, I, I tuck them all in under my birch tree all around it leave them in their pots, and they go through the summer there. They'll grow another set of leaves. I fertilize. I keep fertilizing them. And yep. then they go to a cold frost time, and we lose. They get frozen once. Okay. Just a little light frost, and then you bring them in, and you put them in the dark place. And within about six weeks, they're up and sprouting again. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, good to know. Yeah. And uh, right now, if yet, can you hang out for a little bit more? We'll go through a couple more things. Where sure. I had sort of. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and we do have Cass Smythe on the line. And actually, I'm just going to pull Al up, and uh, we'll chat with Al at the same time. Good morning, Al. Good morning, Al. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. Good. I was just... glad to hear church is in session today. <laughs> it's, it, absolutely. <laughs> Every Sunday, no matter what. Yeah. All right. How can I help you? Okay. My story is, is I was uh, trying to rejuvenate a Saskatoon bush, yeah. which was about 12 feet high and about 12 feet wide on the uh, on the top. Yeah. And uh, it would get uh, curling leaves, and I unrolled one of them the first time, and I found a little white caterpillar inside. Okay. And uh, out of all the other times, there was no other white caterpillars, so I don't know if that had anything to do with it. It probably did. They probably moved on, though, because they'll roll up leaves, and then they'll keep moving on. And so... So I would just say you probably had the leaf roller that goes after aspens, Saskatoons, and uh, was the fruit still good or? No, it wasn't, and that was. Uh, I talked to the Saskatoon farm, and uh, they said because it was about forty to fifty years old, to take it right down. Yeah, rejuvenate it. No, that's good advice. So did yeah. you just chop it right down at six inches or yeah, eight I inches? Took the- I took it down to about eight inches, and it's all uh, got really good sprouts on it this year. They're about two and a half feet high. Okay. And I, uh, good foliage, so I sprayed it with pure spray green about every week through the summer. Okay. And it seemed to be bombarded with the little black flies, which I believe are the aphids, are they not? Uh, when they're outside, yes, yeah. probably had lots of aphids. Yeah, because yeah. they're they're really tiny. So. Well, because you got so much new growth on there, so that's very inviting. Because your whole tree is going to be all lush new growth when you rejuvenate. Because you get like a big influx of of new growth, so it's nice and soft and supple, and that is a buffet for all your aphids and things like that. So this coming year, you should see less of that. Because you'll have older wood, and it won't be all this brand new foliage. What I found kind of interesting, I got uh, two half-scat berry bushes from you, and uh, I planted them just uh, behind and off to the side of the Saskatoon, 
they got new growth, and I sprayed them, but I never had an acid on them. Huh. <laughs> Tough old Russian ones, right? <laughs> <laughs> No, so you know, I mean, that the newer growth on the Saskatoon probably took the brunt of it. Okay. And, and, they, and they will, and they are attracted to new baby growth and then with your new hascaps, but the hascaps have a different shape leaf and they aren't as sweet to the insect world, if you will. Okay. So the other question with the aphids, because the uh, pure spray seemed to kill them, but uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it, they will... Stuff, stayed on there so they were almost becoming black with uh, aphids so whether I should in between sprays wash them right off yes yes the black ones tend to cling to the bark as well as the leaves and they will take the energy from the bark as well so yeah so spraying them off like hosing them off is probably a really good way to keep get them under control and then the other thing you should do especially in the fall and spring is take your cultivator or your hoe and disturb under the growing uh, under the new under the shrubs into the roots and just give it a good troweling up because quite often they've gone to ground in the in the fall and they are down in the in the mulch and the leaf mold and all of that around there and that should help but don't disturb it too greatly because you'll disturb the ladybugs that will come for the feast right now uh, i guess the other question on that because it was so large um, when I'm watering and I put the Rage Plus on and I put them to bed for the winter that way, the old uh, end of the uh, foliage or foliage would be out that far, so that's where the roots would be. But now that it's all compacted, being brand new, where do I actually put the water? <laughs> they still have roots all the way out where yep. the old stumps are. Okay. So you do want to have a go at uh, getting water around there. It's really important that you feed that outer root system because that's their feeding system. Yeah. And that's where they're going to put the tender new growth. And as these stumps start to get a little bit softer and a little more decayed, I'd get in there with a good saw and clean them yep. out. So you have no more crevices for the aphids to lay eggs in. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Al. Appreciate your oh. call. We got to take a break for the news here. Merry or happy <laughs> New Year to you. Take care. All right. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's mostly cloudy with the temperature steady at minus 8 in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Courtney Davidson. A mutated strain of the COVID-19 virus that's been plaguing the south of England and shown itself in other European nations has been detected in Canada. Health officials confirm that the more contagious new variant has been in, has infected a couple east of Toronto. Sally Otto is a theoretical biologist and professor at UBC. She tells Global News the appearance of the virus variant in Canada poses a new challenge to rising cases. It's not changing the death rates as far as we can tell, which is good, or the rates of hospitalization. 
but increasing by 50% the transmission rate means that we could go from really bending the curve down in places like British Columbia to seeing another spike in cases. The Public Health Agency of Canada says research into the new variant is ongoing, adding there's no evidence that Health Canada-approved vaccines will be any less effective against them. Calgary police are investigating a man's death after his body was found in the city's southeast Saturday morning. Officials say paramedics were called to a scene in the area of Habalta Road and 54th Street Southeast around 8.30 a.m. yesterday. According to EMS, a deceased man was found at the scene as Calgary police have taken over the investigation. Alberta's finance minister says the goal in 2021 is to get the province through the COVID-19 pandemic. But Travis Taze says after that, the plan is to rebuild an economy that is facing a $21 billion budget deficit. Taves says while you can't cut your way back to health, a sales tax is not in the immediate future. To implement a, a sales tax uh, at a time um, of great economic challenge would simply be the wrong thing to do. It would, it, would, um, it would be counter to our real focus on economic recovery. Taves says the plan is also to further diversify Alberta's economy in fields ranging from high tech to agriculture. The COVID-19 pandemic did hit many industries hard in 2020, but Alberta's agriculture and forestry sector is one area that had an extremely good year. This, according to Minister Devin Drieschen. Speaking on the Alberta Morning News, Drieschen says related jobs were thriving this year. We had record crops coming off this year, strong prices in both crops and livestock. And on the forestry side, they had some of the highest prices they've ever seen. He says all the market signals look strong heading into 2021. Canadians with family members living in long-term care homes say COVID-19 restrictions barring them from visits have resulted in depression and other mental health issues for their loved ones. Experts say the most restrictive visiting policies are in BC and there is concern the rules designed to keep seniors safe are actually doing more harm than good. The province's advocate for seniors says a survey of about 15,000 residents, families and members of the public found the unintended consequences of tightened visiting rules have contributed to a spike in loneliness and depression. The findings released last month show a 3% jump in antidepressant use between March and September among residents. Global News, SkyTracker weather, some cloud coverage today, a high of minus 5. Clear skies this evening as the temperature drops to minus 10, minus 1 tomorrow and a partly cloudy day. It's minus 8 at 10.04. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update is at 10.30. I'm Courtney Davidson. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs. And if you'd like to join me on the phone lines, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. And... Uh, if you'd like to join us and chat with uh, Kath and I, Kath is still there. Welcome back, Kath. I'm here. <laughs> awesome. Um, that is good to hear. 
I have a text here. It says, good morning. I think you just said gardening in a hole. What is that? Did we say that? I don't, I don't know if I... Gardening in the hole. I don't think I did. I, I mentioned yeah. that the more you dig around the uh, the uh, uh, plant, the Saskatoon, we we. Um, yeah, I this maybe she just must have misheard it or something. Or, yeah, okay. or when nope. I was talking earlier about the um, trending and digging and the wilding, but I'm pretty sure I didn't say hole. <laughs> pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just. I know we've, uh, I know uh, Kevin Usselman joked about that we'll talk about snow farming, but this is, it is a real thing and it's very useful to be able to do this. And when you get this much snowfall, um, if you get those things underneath your spruce trees or and up against pine. the foundation, yeah, yeah. pile yeah. it on there, pile it underneath your spruce tree because that's, uh, that's just like liquid gold to those things. They'll just well, love it, it is, and as it melts slowly into there, it it's really valuable. I mean, it's why the spruce tree, when it its branches are held straight up, it's trying to capture the moisture of the snow and lets the snow sit on its branches, and it helps to uh, just get the moisture to go down slowly into the roots, which is really important. It's the same. That's thing so with, true. You know, it's. When you watch pattern. the rain, if you watch the rain on a heavy rain on your spruce tree or some of the evergreens, you watch it, it just sort of it hits the branches and then it just slowly drips through down into the root system. So it's it's got its own um, breaking mechanism to, yeah. to to slow the rain down and save it so it so it gets its fill of it right. Otherwise, right. if it just if it just rolls off, and right. other plants that don't want to sit in water or don't want extra, their leaves are designed to push the water away from them. Yeah, so. and, they, and in a heavy rainfall, you'll notice that all of a sudden their leaves are just sort of drooping downward, trying to push it away and and stop the force of it. So that that is part of it, but I truly I believe in keeping the more, as much snow on my property as I can, so that I can have um, good snow capture. It's really yeah. really it's all part and parcel of trying to get moisture early in the season and late in the season, and by piling the snow, it's insulating as well. So if the frost gets really heavy, that's when you're you're getting it. So yes, and. Here's a here's another tip for us, I guess, from another text concerning gnats. Would it help control them if you covered the soil with tin foil? Um, it might help with your radio reception, but I'm not sure if it'll help <laughs> with the fungus gnats. I think no. it would make it worse because it's going to hold in any moisture and make it dark for them, and they kind of would love that. I think yeah, and that would work. just create the most ideal environment. It's it's just not. The best thing for fungus gnats and the best thing is keeping your pots clean and keeping the area around it clean. And don't crowd plants. Don't jam them a whole bunch all together. It's, you're just making a fungus gnat farm. Yeah, so. and, and what I mentioned earlier is just changing your watering practices throughout the different seasons. That's Because right. some people put their plants, well, it's Tuesday, i got to water yep. all my plants. And you can't do that. It just... In the winter time, we got way less sunshine. They don't have the intense heat. They can sit two or three extra days most of the time oh, and yeah. let them dry out in between waterings, and it'll just save a whole bunch of. And it's not going to hurt your plant. It's not going to wilt down instantly no. like it will when it's plus 30. And yeah, on days and they're like not that. getting as much sun daylight. <laughs> 
you know, our daylight, I mean, I grant you that we've had the glorious first day of winter, so it means our days are getting longer, but we've had fairly overcast, fairly snowy days, so we're not getting a lot of sun, so it's ideal. They like it cool, they like it dark, and they like it damp. No, no, and it's still dark at 8, and it's the sun's only... Um, setting at 4.30, so, and it's dark at 8 in the morning, so there's we have definitely way less light. That's so right. for the next month or so, again, just let, and I do this all the time, just let your plants dry in between watering. Yes. And uh, as much as you want them to be on a schedule, they, they, they're not, they don't like that as much. They, yes. they, they, they will, they'll tell you when they're dry and you just got to yeah. get into a, just a better and, practice. And another thing that I've had a great deal of use from and, and have used over the years is horticultural grade charcoal. Yeah. You know, and I just put a little bit of that into the soil to freshen it up. And that way the soil doesn't get stagnant and it seems to help to keep the fungus gnat problem at bay. Okay. And I got another one here for you, Kath. All right. Um, Good morning. Is there anything I can do to protect my lavender bushes over the winter? <laughs> and I'm assuming she has the lavender inside, those ones that we, we sell for. Yeah. And so they're hard. I find them really tough to keep looking, except for I do have a caller, Pat. He's He texted me. He's had one for seven years. Like he puts it outside in the winter or in the summer, yeah. brings it in, and they're gorgeous. They look great, but. Um, I find them harder to grow. So what? any secrets on that, Catherine? Well, the, the secret to them is they are what we classify as a broadleafed evergreen. But unlike some broadleafed evergreens, they like a consistent moisture. And the problem in our houses is that they, they dry out too quickly and their foliage loses too much moisture. So that's where we get into the problems with them. So I keep... Uh, Well, I do have a lavender plant, but I keep it with a saucer that's wider (coughs) than the pot, and I fill it with gravel, and I keep the gravel moist, and that just gives it a bit of humidity. And if you've got a lot of houseplants, they they create extra humidity, so it does help. But, I mean, this morning, for instance, in my house, my humidity meter is telling me that I've barely got 35% humidity yet i have plants in almost every room in the house so it it's, it's i just fixed my humidifiers on my furnaces i have two furnaces so yeah. i I've, because I, I guarantee most people in their house if they go down they're so clogged up with our hard water and that so yeah. i made the effort i cleaned them up and i got the solenoids chained so they're spitting out lots of water yes and i, I we got I'm up to about 41 to 42%. Oh, very good. But it's still dry, which is, we're getting better. But I, I find if you if you do have a lot of plants, if you can get your your humidifier and try and keep that on a proper maintenance schedule, um, that really helps in the house as well. Well, so. it really does, and it's just all in how you maintain it. But I also have uh, taken after my mother who used to keep, my mom always had plants, so my mom always used to keep on the heat register, she'd have a jar of water. The dog drank most of it, but she had a jar of water there and maybe in the other inner bedroom, and it helped the humidity. But my humidifier needs a serious clean-out, and I have been looking at it thinking, oh, I really should get (coughs) the guy in to clean it for me. So, Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think we do have a caller on Trekord. Is Ken still on there? Okay, let's pull Ken up, and he can chat with Kath and I. Good morning, Good Ken. Morning. Good morning, Merle. How are you doing How today? You, I'm, I'm doing, doing great. Good. You? 
perfect. Excellent. It's actually Excellent. I get to I'm, I do the show from home, so I get to come down and make a coffee, um, <laughs> check my stuff. I got my computer, I got everything all set up. So uh, I'm a pretty lucky guy. I get to chat with all you wonderful people out there, <laughs> and we chat a little gardening. So how can I help you today, Ken? Well, I know you're a fountain of information, so turn your tap on. Because <laughs> I, my mother-in-law has got a real problem with this creeping purple bellflower that's oh, coming yeah. into her garden from the neighbors. Yeah, and that is a nasty... <clears throat> I wish... And they unfortunately, they keep taking away... We, there was a really good that clover thistle and uh chickweed killer that worked really well on the bellflower um i think it's going to be a bit of roundup and and physical digging with those and try and get them before they bloom because uh, that's when they get that they almost have a wax coating on their leaves and they can seem to just disperse the roundup but if you get them when they're younger and before they produce the seed um, it might help. Any any secrets on your side, Kath, that uh, we can help Ken with on that? Well, um, creeping bellflower has uh, has that waxy coating, but it also has a hair to it. It's her suit. So it will keep dust on it, and that protects it from the Roundup. If there's any kind of dust on the leaves, the Roundup won't kill it. <laughs> the Roundup oh. is stopped. The, the Roundup works on chlorophyll, and if the chlorophyll is dirty, it won't get rid of it. But the so other to water it in. <laughs> well, you yeah, maybe we have to hose them off first. Yeah, you gotta hose them off, and the best time of day to do it is early morning when the air is really still. Okay, and, and that works like a darn. The other, the other thing with it is that you've got to make sure that it's starting to die back on you before you start digging into the root because they have roots like parsnips, and every oh, okay. time you break one of those parsnips, it just spreads it. So you never leave. You don't ever leave a, a shred of it. Uh, I've always they they um, the Latin name for uh, creeping bellflower is Campanula repunculoides, and I just refer to it as the punk plant. It's a okay. you know, and it just travels all over. So you've got to get it. It's it's a question of husbandry a little bit. You've got to stay persistent. Keep watching it and cleaning it dry it let it get a little bit moist and then start spraying because otherwise it won't work okay, okay. one other yeah. quick one how can of i course. thin out a rhubarb plant kathy I, go ahead on that I, i'm sorry i missed the one part of it how can you thin out a rhubarb plant thin it out oh well early spring they'll start to sprout and yeah. you'll start to see the yellow leaves starting to furl out to turn green and that's yep. a really good time to take the whole root up and you'll be yep. able to see each individual the root system and you can just yep. gently pull them apart and thin it that way okay and work from the outside into the center the center growth is older but you want to get it and literally just start pulling the outside off of it gently and then the crown will just fall down sideways and you'll be able to see two or three plants there. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Happy Year. Happy New Year to you, Ken. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> hey, Kath. Yes. On on splitting those, would you would you ever just like dig the whole thing out and then sort of cut through it too? Oh, or? yeah. In the la latter part of the season, 
I would just lift it right out and just take a knife and cut it all into several sections. It's just in the springtime, if you're a little bit gentle with them, you get more divisions and you get more plant and you can get the other plants that you're going to save back in and it, they, they tend to take off and still produce the, full, the uh, stems, which are so tasty. Sounds good. All right. If you uh, if you want to hang out a bit more, Kath, uh, I'll just put we'll just put you on hold, and we'll uh, just take a break, and and we'll come back and go through a few more texts and uh, answer some calls to our listeners. Hopefully, if you want to join us, phone lines are wide open. Four zero three nine seven four eight two five five. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on seven seventy CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's trusted garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And, uh, Kath, welcome back. <laughs> Hello. Nice way to spend a Sunday morning. Hey, we get to chat a little bit about some gardening and something that we both love to do. And, That's uh, right. That's right. Um, Better than talking so d- to the dog. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding, eh? She doesn't um, want to talk gardening. She wants to talk about the fact that there's snow and she should be out in it. Yeah, you haven't taken me for a walk yet. Yeah, so. that's that's the complaint. So, so uh, Dwight just sent in a text, and he has a picture of his pepper plant. Uh-huh. And he says, is it normal for it to get flowers when it's only two inches high? Wow. Yeah, I've heard of it doing that. It just depends on the varietal. I mean, if it's one of the old, old varieties, they, yeah. they, they, will, they will flower all of a sudden, and it is normal. But I wouldn't let it produce anything because what they used to find is that they would produce from the bottom of the plant yeah. all the way to the top, and the fruit was never very big. So if it's one one of those older ones or one of the hot pepper ones, you want you want to pick the flowers so it gets a little bit bigger. Otherwise, so, it'll put all its energy into that, and the stem won't be very strong. Yeah. So Dwight, I think what Cass saying is maybe you want to pick those buds off mm-hmm. and uh, let it grow a little bit more, and then let it bloom, and you'll get a little bit more fruit. But uh, yeah, this little guy. And the pitcher already has one, two, three, four, four blooms already coming off it. Wow. And it's a little pepper plant, yeah. Wow. If it but the leaves are it. actually quite charaded. Like, it's not a real smooth leaf. It almost, oh, like, no. when I first looked at it, I almost thought it was a dahlia because they're actually quite charaded. Like, the, yeah, the first couple the leaves. To them and- yeah, on the bottom leaves, like, the two segments are smooth. Yeah. And then as soon as it gets to the fourth section of nodes, um, they're all become the shredded. Huh. So I wonder what variety it is. That's interesting. <coughs> Very interesting, sure he... Dwight. <laughs> yeah, Dwight. If you uh, if you know what those are, maybe let me know what they are. I'm kind of curious. And uh, is this the Dwight that are... sent me a text about the Navajo tobacco? Yes, and he has some seed for you. Oh, I want some, please. That would be yeah. grand. I just keep I I read it and then I forget to text back. <laughs> and then. Then your neighbors will see you back in August or September. You'll be rolling a big, yeah, I'll big, have a, uh, a big thing of Navajo tobacco <laughs> out in the well, backyard. Tobacco, it was fabulous. So I, I want to try this. Oh, nice! Yeah, it's got and, a yellow flower. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so so I think that is uh, when we talk about trends. Peppers were really popular last year. Yeah, but they're not the easiest to grow. Like they they grow fair, like not bad, but they're not like they're not like a a marigold or a tomato for the most part. You have to a little bit more care in them. You got to watch that you don't get them too wet. Like they they're I find them a little bit more finicky than some of the other thing. Any any secrets on growing peppers? Well, they're sun worshippers and you're right about the watering. They did they did not enjoy the early part of our garden season and then the nighttime temperatures were a little cool for them. Mhm. So what I found was that I I got out my um not the uh, heavy duty insulate. I used the one that's just plant guard that protects yep. the white fabric that just protects it from bugs and things. And I wrapped them and it kind of warmed them right up and I, I by oh about the first week in September I had tons of peppers finally. Yeah, so and that's and actually we got this we had a kit made up. Um, with the micro f- blanket yes. and the little uh, the U shaped things that look like the croquet uh, rings that you that you put the so you're creating your own little little greenhouse. Yes. And the peppers, I, I did have a couple people said they really loved using those, and they put them out early, so they put them out like even in May, April, and it starts mm-hmm. warming the soil up in those rows underneath there as well. So if you want to start a little bit earlier, That's that will right. help. That yeah, will help I- warm them up. And the biggest problem is that our soil stays cold. Yeah. If, if we can't get, if it can't get warm from the sun, and then it gets to midday, and the midday sun is the hot part, and of course then the skies open up and it pours rain. So they didn't, the soil didn't warm up. It was also why my tomatoes were, <laughs> oh, about two weeks behind in productivity. But man, I tell you, my October tomato crop was huge. Yeah, it all tons. ripened all at that point in time because I got it warm and I wrapped it up in a blanket. I also, hey. for those things, I like those cozy coats. I put those yes. on, and that helps the soil to stay warm, especially since they changed the color of them to red. Seems to help the soil warm up. So, Kath, there's a. I find there's some plants that shouldn't be grown in containers, like outside. Like I know we grow lettuce and you can grow it up in a container and stuff like yes. that. But there's certain like carrots they do okay, but I just find some things just do better in the ground and they just need that little bit of coolness so yeah. they don't bolt up on you. Like I find spinach in a in an upright container doesn't seem to do as well as it does in the ground. Oh, I like spinach in the ground and actually I don't grow my kale in in pots anymore. I much prefer it from the ground. Chard prefers to be in the ground. I've discovered that my peas and beans prefer the ground. They don't really want to be up Yeah, in peas the pot. especially. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah, peas are, are a cool weather vegetable, and they're one you can put out early regardless in the ground, and they do really, really well. So I, I have always sort of subscribed to, you know, what I can get into uh, the ground early is the things that seem to do the best yep. in the ground, and that's spinach and kale and, and peas. Okay. Hey, Kath, did yes. you want to hang out for the next uh, segment? The or next do you got to go? Sure. All right. All right. I'm going I'm to go take make br- coffee, though, because I can't you do, do this that. much longer. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. You do that. Kath's going to go make some coffee, and we're going to take a break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. 
Mostly cloudy and minus eight in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 1030. I'm Courtney Davidson. Ontario is reporting 2,005 new COVID-19 cases today, along with 18 additional deaths, a day after two cases of the new COVID-19 variant were confirmed in a couple from Durham region, just east of Toronto. Regional, provincial and federal health authorities are collaborating on the investigation into these cases. Calgary police are investigating the death of a man in southeast Calgary discovered yesterday. Officials were combing through evidence in the area near Habalta Road and 54th Street yesterday afternoon. A U.S. serviceman from Florida has been charged in the deaths of three people and the wounding of three others in a shooting at a bowling alley in Illinois. The 37-year-old was taken into custody shortly after the incident. Global News, SkyTracker weather, mainly cloudy today, reaching minus 5. Clear skies this evening, down to minus 10. And then partly cloudy tomorrow with a high of minus 1. It's minus 8. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news is at 11. I'm Courtney Davidson. Welcome back to Let's Start Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs. And this is the last half hour of 2020 <laughs> for uh, for the gardening season and uh, hopefully head into 2021. And uh, and I got Cass Smythe with me. She's from the Calgary Hortus Cultural Society. So if you're looking to, to get some info on some gardening, the Hort Society is a, is a great place to go to. So... Uh, what, what do you guys got going on down there? We haven't talked about the Hort Society yet, Kath. Oh, how'd we miss that? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, we've got, um, well, we're on break until January 4th, and then we're going to start some classes. We've got a really good one coming up, Houseplants 101. That nice. one's coming up on January 19th. That should be a goodie. And we're we're organizing and getting into seed starting, which is January 24th. And Janet Melrose is doing Kickstart Your Garden on January 26th. So we've got lots of classes coming up, and basically we're we're just getting organized and trying to figure out some of the new ways to talk gardening to people without seeing them in person. But we've been doing it online now since March, and we've been doing a pretty good. It's been getting better and better. Yeah, and I and that's where like there's some pros and cons to this whole pandemic thing. Yes. Um, some of them I don't mind. Like some of the Zoom meetings and and office meetings I've had to attend, I, I find them actually quite effective um, online because sometimes you don't have to travel across town and end up going, which, which is still nice to go for lunch or yeah. and all the other stuff. But even if I'm just chatting with someone from Ontario, like we're part of a garden center group, um, there's 35 of us as part of a group. It's just nice. We can just you go online, you can chat, you can share your documents. And we had an AGM meeting, which we typically do in person. And it's sometimes harder to follow along, but I found it a lot easier um, on the Zoom sort of thing. It was just we're, everybody was more to the point. We didn't waste so much time, <laughs> and you sort of you get on with it, right? Right, right. And, and so, I found with the classes and with the groups and the discussions have been getting better and better as people become more familiar with it. They are more willing to 
you know, stop and ask a question and participate more. So I, I have been enjoying that. But I mean, there's nothing quite like seeing the people. <laughs> well, no, absolutely, I, and I totally agree. But but even when you're in a Zoom class, if you get someone who's kind of shy, they might feel more comfortable just sending it on the message board. That's so right. I find in the chat. <clears throat> yes. you get a little bit more participation. Yeah. And 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 you're not just one or two people kind of taking over the class it's it's kind of nice so I, I got a text here it says i'm having success so far wintering my palms and uh the top two inches of soil last week i watered l- loads of these centipede creatures all gathered at the top <laughs> so get a bunch of centipedes in her soil and there's there's actually quite a few on this picture <laughs> like, there's, wow. looks like there's like 30 of them yeah but uh any concern or should they use like they can use btk or some other stuff like that to get rid of them if if you want to. Um, well, they're composters, and they're yeah. eating up the garbage and the rubbish around. They're not actually consuming the roots. They're just after all the rubbish, and they're trying to compost and clean out the pot a little bit. And they probably, there were eggs there left from being outside. I'm pretty assuming they were outside. And, and the best cure for them especially is just sharp horticultural sand. Just sharp yeah. sand. Um, but really, they're not hurting no, anything in there no. besides, I guess. And she did say she did dust the soil with diatomaceous earth, Oof. which is – got to be careful with that dust. But inside, that's the yes. same sharp sharp sand. That's when which, you wear which, your mask inside and you use it. Yeah. That's it, another it, use for your masks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need something for those stupid things. Yes. But um, – yeah, diatomaceous earth works like that. If you just sprinkle that on top, that's right. It it it'll cut and makes it uncomfortable. You just gotta be careful. Don't get the dust going. Like Kath was saying, make sure you're wearing masks and uh, make yeah. sure you wash your hands really well because exactly. you don't want right. to you don't want to uh, wash or or rub your eye afterwards as well. So they're very. It's a very very fine silicate and it, it really can cause damage. So just be careful of it. But that's why I say that. Really, the horticultural sand is sharp enough, and that'll discourage them. And where they're coming from is the base of the pot. So you may want to put a little, you know, a little bit at the bottom in the saucer, and that'll help to get them to go away. But they, they too, are just around. But they're not harming anything. They're really yeah. not. Yeah, they you almost have to do a soil second. drench. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you need to do a soil drench to really get rid of them, like if you just yeah. try on top and things yeah. like that. But you don't want to take the organic material out of the soil completely, and that's why I like these guys is that they produce a little bit of their own organic matter because they, you know, they go through a life cycle, so they, they're valuable on that score. And, and you will yep. find that they, they do help and cultivate the palm tree, so... Okay, and we're going to take a call right now. We got Diana on the line. Good morning, Diana. Good morning, Merle. Did you have a wonderful Christmas? Yes, I did, and uh, thank you so much. And how was everything down there? Oh, everything very, very quiet. We're all sort of locked down and not going anywhere, so it's all and good. And it was mild. And this is so Diana from Bailey Hill Greenhouses. From Bailey Hill, yes. I have to tell you, Kath, um, it's so great to listen to you this morning. I have been growing Malabar spinach, which is the cellar. Oh, yes. And it's growing all over my kitchen window that faces south. Uh And I've got to tell you, I've been eating off it all the way through till now. 
And okay. I've still got Thank a couple you. of meals to come. So Ooh. I think it's a really exciting plant. Well, I think they're really nice. And I like the flavor of Malabar. So it's it's a good one to look for. Malabar spinach. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll make sure it's we have lots of it. Pacella. It doesn't like cold. It Don't think spinach, Merle, because it, it doesn't grow in the cold. It needs some heat to get started. Yeah. It's, it's okay. an exotic spinach, but it's a really nice one. And the flavor is quite lovely. Yes, and the leaves go kind of red, and they have really odd little tiny pink flowers. Yes, yes. But I did have to tell you, because last year by this time, I think I had some around Christmas, and then it kind of folded. But um, it's just looking absolutely fantastic right now. Oh, lovely. Oh, I'm glad you Are you growing anything else in the house, Diana? Oh, good grief. I mean, every spare window is covered with plants. (laughs) (laughs) I tried freezers, and they didn't like our cold summer last year. They were in a tub, and all of a sudden in October, they suddenly sprouted and came to life. And they're in your house. A really bad time, yes. So they're in the house, and I'm a bit foxed as to what to do with them now because they're over there just greenery, and I'm not sure when I should just sort of start telling them that it really is winter. You're not supposed to be doing this now. Well, I would do it the first week in February so that they can get at least a six-week dormancy, and then maybe in the spring you'll get them back. Well, not maybe. You will get them back in the spring. Oh, okay. So about sort of February, just shut them down and say, okay, you, you lost it done. Hey, Diana, when do you start? I know that you'll be starting up your greenhouse in the new year. When do you start seeding your uh, sweet peas? Uh, sweet peas. <laughs> About the middle of February. Okay. Middle of February, but I'm lucky that I have a really cold room to start them in. Yeah. So you really can't start them under heat and lights. They absolutely hate it. So yeah. um, they need to be really, really cool. Yes. But what is exciting is I'm getting all kinds of phone calls now on people, you know, already geared up and thinking spring. So I think at this moment we all need a bit of dose of like, oh, we've got something good to look forward to. Diana, are you going to grow Wiltshire Ripple? Yes. Oh, I love that. That's one of my favorites, isn't it? Stunning. Yeah, Yeah, it is that beautiful vein and that lovely white flower, and it's purpley. (laughs) Well, you know what? I found there's two variations. Oh. Because I got two different packets one year, Kath, and one came out a real scarlet red, and one was a real purpley red. Oh. And I asked uh, Roger Parsons about it, the sweet bee expert in England. Yes. And he just said, well, it happens, it happens. Oh. So, well, I've only ever got the purple, so... Yeah, they were still really, really good. You know what I mean? I loved them dearly, but it was quite interesting, the color variation. Uh Uh-huh. Well, Diana, we're going to have to uh, arrange for a time to get you down at the garden center. We'll bring a good collection of your your sought-after sweet peas to the Calgary area. Not that we don't want people going down to visit you. but but it's a long way for people to go. Yeah, but let's set something up for sure this year. I know we did it a few years ago, but let's do it again. Hopefully we're able to have a little bit of normality, and we'd love to have – Diana and Bailey Hills product, some sweet pea stuff down at our store would be great. So, but that right would, now we gotta, I gotta take a break, Diana. So I'm gonna have to let you go. <laughs> okay, that would and be lovely. It's great to talk to you. Lovely because to all chat. I can think of is the days are getting longer already. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank New you year. so much. Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, Bye. Diana. Bye bye. All right, and we're gonna take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR.
Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. We're going to go right to the phone lines. We're going to chat with Betty. Good morning, Betty. Morning. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. Um, and Happy New Year. Yes. Um, I have a poinsettia. I could never keep them alive, like for two weeks after I'd get them in, in December. <laughs> okay. And I have this one that's been on the windowsill, and it came back, and it's beautiful. Oh, nice. Well, did it just wilt down when you first got it or something? or just... No, it, it just it lost a few leaves, but, but it lost all its flowers kind of thing. And I left it on the windowsill, and now it's just absolutely beautiful. It's red and white. Ooh. And I was wondering if I should <coughs> um, transplant it and when and how. Um, if they're, they're fairly, like, they're... They're fairly easy to keep going as a houseplant. They're like a cactus, so they don't require lots of water, and they don't have huge, huge root systems. So you're probably okay in the pot it's in. Um, is it like a six-inch pot, or is it bigger? It's like it's smaller. No, okay, like yeah, a four-inch? maybe a six-inch pot. Okay. Well, if it's between four and six, you can, you can obviously, if you want to put it into a nicer pot and try and keep it going you can do that they can grow quite big though like when they get going like they're a big plant so just got to be prepared for that and really just treat them like a house plant let them dry out in between waterings and then if you want to get them to bloom again kath when do you sort of start that mid or mid-october start um, putting them into mid, eight hours yeah you've got to go about mid mid-september is but, probably but, best but my question, I didn't do that. <laughs> I, I just left it on the porch. So he's defiant. Yeah, like I didn't know that was possible. No, every, do you know what it could have been too, though, is the natural light probably yep. produced the right amount of darkness and daylight to get it to do to perk back up. But, but the light comes on once in a while because it's where the dogs sleep. <laughs> Well, I was just wondering you. if that was a but normal thing or if I have a random plant. You have, you have a, a persistent <laughs> persistent poinsettia that's going to live. Yeah. Yeah, oh, awesome. It, it, it's just the luck of the draw sometimes. And is it the true red or is it one of the colors? No, it's a true red and white. Wow. Oh, yeah, what, it's, it's got a bit I, of white I in it? I sent you a text. I don't know if you got the picture. What's what's your last two numbers of your phone number? Uh, two, two four, three six two four. Okay. No, that's okay. a lie. It's on my text ninety nine eighteen. Ah, I don't see that one. Huh? I don't see it for some reason. Well, if it's a bicolor, they sometimes respond differently to the amount of light and yes, darkness. Yes, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, and they will, and and they will just come back out of they tend to have a little bit stronger growth pattern so it could be yeah, that well, the red's got little white flecks yep. in it okay okay and i was just wondering if i should um, yeah transplant it leave it i'd leave it alone i'd leave yeah. it alone and and yep. transplant it in the i i would wait and see how it continues right now but i'd leave it alone and then go after it say the first week in in may or something in there and transplant it then because you won't interfere with the flower cycle 
Oh, okay, and just do it gently, like one pot up, and yes, try not one to, up, uh, and don't overwater it. Whatever you do in that dormant time. Well, I know it's the first time I've followed directions and left it <laughs> and left it dry. And they, out they and like a clay pot don't too. Don't let it sit in its water. Yeah, they yeah. like the clay pot, as Merle was saying. So they oh, do. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Merry Betty, and uh, we we'll let you, you go. And Kath, I'll, yeah. I'll let you go as well. I'm just going to finish up the last little segment. Um, so thank you so much, and Happy New Year to you and everybody down at the Hort Society. And I look forward to uh, to working with you guys on some projects, hopefully in 2021. Oh, I have one for you. I'm going to email you. All right. Sounds <laughs> All right. good. Happy take New care. Year, Merle. Happy New Year. Thanks for calling. All righty. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. I, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we'll finish up. we got a couple callers on. And uh, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs. I'm going to go right to the phone lines and get the last two callers of the year in. We're going to chat with Ella. Good morning, Ella. Oh, good morning. Um, <laughs> I heard you uh, talking to somebody recently about uh, hazelnut trees that it yes. can be grown in Calgary and yes. uh, do they actually produce yes they do they yeah do. we'll have yeah and we carry them in they come in a shrub form and oh. uh, yeah and they and they produce the hazelnuts here in uh, the the hardy variety for you so yeah because I discovered one of these uh, trees I recognized it from the from the leaves what they look like and uh, it is there for years and years, and uh, there is nothing, no flowering, no no fruit on it. Huh. And it's a tree. Okay. A yeah, and, and you're sure it's a hazelnut? Is it, it? Yes, I would say it's a hazelnut because I, I do remember what they used to look like. Okay. And I am wondering if I would, in the spring fertilize it with a 15 30 15 that's just what i was going to suggest try and add try and get some phosphate in there and that might help it um produce some blooms and then even if if you can in the summer when it leaves out send me a a picture of it or some pictures of the leaves if you could okay yeah and uh and then we're just trying to hopefully identify that for sure and see if we can get that blooming for you. Oh, that would be so nice. And then other thing I, I am interested about is the sour cherries. Yes. Is the, did the city plant them somewhere around the city, like on boulevards or something like this? I, I don't think so. I haven't no. seen them planted um, mm-hmm. by the city. I know we sell quite a few. We have, um, I think there's six or seven varieties that we bring in. Oh, that many. Yeah, and they're really good. They're actually produced out of the University of Saskatchewan. Yeah. So they're and they're the Romance series, a couple other ones. Very great. They're they're awesome. So. And how many? How old are those trees? What you are selling? How old are? They? Um, we have some larger ones. They're anywhere between sort of five and eight years old, sort of thing, roughly. Mm-hmm. But you're you're getting lots of good, good growth on them. Lots of good fruit. So and they're a great looking tree. So. Yes. Oh, yeah, they are good-looking, definitely. And let me see what else I wanted to about it. So that is the first time they start to uh, produce after five to eight years, not before that. No, they'll produce. They produce a little bit before that. Like mm-hmm. they'll the cherry trees, even the smaller ones, will produce. Like three years old, they'll start producing. So. 
Okay, and how tall are they when they are? They're between four and five feet tall, and then up to. They're not a real big tree to begin with, even when they get older. So they're in the anywhere between four and six feet tall in our pots. I see. Okay, great. That's all I want. Thank you so much, Ella. Thank you. Bye. Happy New Year. Bye bye. And we're going to take the last call of the year. We're going to go to Janet. Good morning, Merle. Thank you. Love listening to your show here this morning. Thank Um, you so much. Um, I have uh, chatted with you in the spring. I had a lot of um, damage to um, some um, junipers. Okay. Fertilized the heck out of them this spring, and that was great. And I did get some good uh, growth back from them. But there's a lot of dead at the bottom still. Do I go in and prune that all out of there? What do you do with that? Yeah, for the most part, I just it's typically won't come back. Like unless you like you said, unless there's some life in it. But I just I'd remove most of the dead wood. If it's been chewed off and stuff, like sort of, I think you had the mouse damage, was it? Yeah. In the spring? Yeah. I would just cut a lot of that dead wood out and just let it fill in. And it's good that you're feeding it now. So sometimes these tougher times get us back onto a good feeding ritual with Mm -hmm. our plants outside. So, Mm -hmm. which is a good thing. So, wait till the spring and most of the snow is gone or just. uh, You could do it. You can absolutely if if you if it's not buried in the snow now and you're if it's visible by all means you can get out there and just make sure when you when you're cutting those smaller ones mm-hmm. yet yet your your pruners are really nice and sharp because mm-hmm. those are harder to cut when you have dull ones because they kind of slide in between your blades yes so yes. just so ensure that you have good sharp pruners and you should be good to go great. Thanks so much for your call. All right. Thank you so much, Janet. And uh, you're the last one of 2020. So happy new year to you. And uh, let's hope we all have a great 2021. All right. Thanks to everybody to listening. And uh, let's continue on with our, our protocols. And let's hopefully we can get into mid-January and get back to being outside and get back into some restaurants and all that other fun stuff. So anyways, I just want to say thank you for all your support. And listening to our show here on at 770. And, uh, and thanks, everybody, from Spruce It Up as well. And uh, we will chat next week in 2021. You've been listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR.